0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything. And welcome, new listeners. I'm Juliet Galantigua williams As some of you already know, I've been talking to adult children of immigrant parents and key experts about ways we can grow closer to them and better understand one another across the generational gap. In this episode, Louise shares a story that I think a lot of first-gens can relate to. It's about being a translator for your parents and all the frustration, confusion, and pressure that can sometimes involve. Let's get into it.
1: My name is Louise To. I'm from Honolulu, Hawaii. I identify as Chinese-Vietnamese-American, and in my family, we call our parents mom and dad. So growing up, my relationship with my parents was very distant. They worked a lot. And um, I guess a lot of the things that we ended up interacting with our parents had to do with like family occasions um, and then also that we would kind of serve as their translators and their um, administrators uh, because they needed people who knew English to uh, read these documents that were coming in, basically go with them to the doctor, particularly when it came to when my father was sick. He needed oncology resources and that just wasn't, it, it just wasn't as easy to find oncologists that spoke our language. So we basically had to step up, especially my brother in this instance. My brother was telling me about that moment when he told my dad how he has cancer and he, he described it as um, he told him and then my dad just stopped, like he's, he stopped reacting to the world. It's like he, he froze and then he just looked off into the distance and stopped listening altogether. Anyway, I, I guess I had originally called in because I was so frustrated at my mom because recently um, she got furloughed from her job because of the pandemic and we we needed to apply for unemployment insurance for her. So we did. And it, I mean, it was a whole frustrating process of, of, first of all, the unemployment office was not ready for the unprecedented amount of applications for unemployment. And, you know, it leaves a lot of people in the dark, especially people like my mom, who don't doesn't know how to use computers, uh, doesn't know English. So they re- rely on other people to help them out with these situations. So basically, I kind of was attacking this unemployment portal as often as possible to try to get uh, her application in to get her payments and it took a long time it took like two months before she got anything she basically kept messaging me so I'm I'm far away I'm I'm on the east coast and and I'm trying to do these things from um from a distance trying to apply for through the system that's based in Hawaii time and she she basically just became first she started off trying to be patient because she understood how you know many people were trying to get help she got it but then as the weeks went on she became very anxious and very nervous and and then she started to uh To me it felt like she was accusing me that I didn't do a good job, that I messed up, that I didn't read the instructions correctly. And and then she was basically saying, you know, like, basically, you need to read every single line of these letters and these instructions. And I'm like, mom, I, I have, I promise I did. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. This is like really out of my hands. I like can't push it anymore. I've sent like 15 emails. I, uh, and she just, oh, she couldn't, she couldn't understand that, you know, at some point you just, you really, there's nothing you can do. Like, you know, these are the feelings that, children of immigrants feel like it's so unfair like I should be I shouldn't have to be doing this for my parents who are adults and you know the world tells me that adults should be able to take care of these things I don't think that you know me and my brother will ever be completely free of helping her and we don't, we don't want to be we, we, we want to be there for her when she needs it but I think if she can be more self-sufficient it would help us, me and my brother, kind of move on to other parts of our lives that we feel like we haven't really been able to pursue.
0: So I definitely get why Luis and her brother might feel frustrated at times. So how do we take that frustration and turn it into a solution? Are there resources? Can we get help? Is there tech? So you know what I did? I called in an expert. Hi, Juleka here, stopping by to tell you about Time Storm. Time Storm is a high adventure podcast for the whole family. When the Ventura twins are yanked into another dimension, they meet a distant cousin who gives them an extraordinary mission to travel through time to witness Puerto Rico's history. They visit three continents across the span of five centuries. But in their own timeline, the twins must navigate school, friendships, and family, all while keeping their time traveling quests a secret. You can join the twins, Alex and Benny, as they travel in time any where you find your favorite podcast or at Timestormseries.com Timestorm is a part of Tracks from PRX Hi everybody Juleka here I'm the host and creator of How to Talk to Mommy and Papi about anything and I want to invite you to be on our show if you're an adult and a child of immigrants from anywhere in the world I'd love to talk to you about those conversations that are hard but necessary Things about politics, dating, career, parenting. Seriously, no topic is off limits. Send us an email at hello at talktomommypoppy.com and let's get you on the show. That's hello at talktomommypoppy.com. See you soon. Hi, everybody. I'm Julie Calantigua, the creator and executive producer of How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything. And I'd like to invite you to be a guest on the show. Every episode, we talk to black and brown folks striving to do big things and looking for ways to level up. Licensed psychotherapist, Devon Lewis, offers feedback about aspirational challenges we all face. Things like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and especially how we define success. We'd love to hear about your triumphs and where you still trip up sometimes. Send our producer, Virginia, an email so she can get your story on the show. She's at virginia at lwcstudios.com.
2: My name is Sarita Ferris. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in Las Vegas, Nevada. I have a private practice in outpatient mental health where I specialize in trauma.
0: So what do you hear
2: when you listen to Louise's story? I hear frustration regarding the cultural perspective in regards to being an uh, Asian American where Asian culture is very collective. And American culture is very individualistic. So serving as a translator can oftentimes be very frustrating because, as she mentioned, that there was some cultural differences where people from the outside are telling her, you know, why are you translating for your mom and making her feel like her parents should be more independent, whereas Asian culture is very family based and very family oriented. So this af- this actually takes place more often than people would actually think.
0: So is this something you see a lot in your practice?
2: Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. If there is a person that immigrates from this country and doesn't speak English fluently, it's very much um, expected for the child to help out wherever they can.
0: Mm. And so what are some of the results of the the responsibility that the child has to take on in, in what you've seen in your practice?
2: What I've seen personally is that it results in parentified behavior. So meaning that the child takes on the responsibility of becoming a parent almost And that can shift the family dynamics. So if it's children or multiple children in one family, then one child specifically will sort of align themselves with the parents because the parents will sort of use that child the most and say, um, take that child to the doctor or or to wherever it is that they're going because their English might be more proficient than the others. Um, And then so that type of shift in family dynamics can sometimes actually cause problems within the sibling relationship where one seems to be favored over the others. And you can also find that the child that is being parentified will often act in a parental role over their siblings.
0: So in Luisa's case, her brother also had to play some really important, you know, roles in translating, specifically having to do with their father's health. I mean, the story of him having to translate the cancer diagnosis gave me chills. Yeah, it's
2: definitely tough. I think specifically with Luisa's brother having to um, develop to translate, excuse me, Very sensitive personal information was a hard one and one that probably should have shifted to the service provider to either get like a language line or to have somebody in person to translate. So in that particular case, whoever the child is translating can actually advocate for themselves by asking the service provider to do a language line or something like that. Because sometimes there isn't a direct translation for medical terminology specifically. So cancer is kind of a word that's, That's pretty universal. So I'm sure the parents understood that. However, if there's other medical terminology or something else that the parents need to know in regards to the diagnosis, particularly finding service providers or kind of the what's next, that should actually be taken care of by somebody that is proficient in the language and proficient in whatever profession that they're talking about, whether it be mental health or medical and sometimes you'll find that siblings also translate languages um, just to determine on who's available. So if there's multiple children in the household, you might have child A that's very proficient and sort of the go-to person. But if child A is busy for whatever reason, then they'll use whomever they have available.
0: So this is an interesting point that you're making about the child being in a position to advocate. My mother would have seen that as absolute disrespect and an unwillingness from my end to help her. So I would have been really caught in between the need for help because maybe I didn't understand all the medical terminology. But then my mother's perception of me seeking help, meaning that I didn't want to help her. How do we navigate that?
2: That is a tough thing to navigate. Uh, Specifically in the Asian and Hispanic communities, respect is everything, specifically respect for your elders. So there is a lot of pushback from older generations of, didn't I ask you for help? So you should be more than willing to help me. And if you're not, like you said, you're seen as a very disrespectful child. I think as part of self-advocacy, you have to set boundaries. And the way to set boundaries is to really just be assertive with your communication style mom, I understand, or mom or dad, I understand that you um, were looking for me to help you with the situation. This is how I'm going to help you. And sort of phrase it to where it's more beneficial to them. I don't really want to mess this up, or I don't. I want you to have as much information as you can. I want you to have the best case scenario. I want you to really fully understand what the doctor is saying. So I think this is the best route to go. I'll be right here with you and translating everything, you know, in a way that you understand it if trans—if I don't feel like the translator is doing a good job. But in terms of self-advocacy, you have to stick to your boundaries and you have to be assertive when you communicate with your parents.
0: So uh, in that, in, so in, in the case of a, of a medical situation, it would mean making those arrangements ahead of time, obviously, uh, because someone yes. would have to show up at the appointment to be that interpreter. What about in cases where there's like documentation involved and mail and forms that have to be filled out? How do you suggest that an adult, you know, first gen child navigate those waters?
2: Um, speaking to the whoever is in the intake process, that's where it really begins. So whatever you're doing, medical, mental health wise, basically any of the larger professions or something more significant will have an intake process. And right then and there, you need to be able to communicate that my parent speaks in this language and any forms that mailed out, we request that it be sent in this language, as well as asking if the insurance companies employ any social workers. So that way, the person that is English speaking can maybe talk to the social worker to help identify resources in the parent's language. Also looking for specific groups or organizations that can provide case management. They should be able to help you find a resource for people that don't fluently speak English.
0: So sometimes it becomes also about privacy in that the parent may not be willing to allow a stranger to come into essentially what's a a circle where very intimate information is being discussed. So how can an adult child help a parent overcome that barrier, the fear of having something that they deem so private be shared with a perfect stranger?
2: I would say align yourself with the service provider. I've had this many times in my practice, particularly in mental health. It's a very, very stigmatized field and a very stigmatized area. Mm -hmm. So especially in the minority population, if you have somebody coming from Asian, Hispanic, African-American descent, they don't really want to talk sort of air their dirty laundry. Um, So I align myself with the child um, or the adult child, whoever it is, is in the room and saying, hey, this is kind of sensitive information. Is it okay that they share X, Y and Z? Or I'm this is sensitive information. I'm going to ask your child to step out and then I'm going to use the language line. And then I explain what the benefits are in terms of the benefits to treatment. So if the parent or the service provider is not really is pretty reluctant in sort of aligning themselves with the child and kind of like, hey, this is a family issue. I'm going to step out of it. The thing that Louise can do or other child or either children or adult children can do is to just discuss the benefits of um, using translation services and using and saying, hey, I know this is private information, but this is what we're here for. We're here to talk to the doctor about XYZ treatment, and I really need you to get this information.
0: So in Louisa's case, one of the things that she said was basically a barrier to her mom being more independent about these things was her low, you know, technological literacy. She, she's mm-hmm. not great on computers. She's not great on her smartphone. And so even though a lot of the things could be handled, you know, on a computer or on a smartphone, her mom just didn't have the wherewithal to do that. and. That sounded really familiar to me. What, in in your experience, are ways for an adult child to help parents out when the, the tech literacy might not be where it needs to be?
2: There are family resource centers um, and they kind of vary by community. So some can be run by nonprofit organizations. Some can be government organizations. But um, Googling family resource centers or even typing in something about um, Finding cultural centers that specifically deal with people, members of a specific population. So maybe like Filipino American Association or Chinese or Vietnamese Association or Asian Pacific Islander Association. So you'll be able to find um, different resources that that community center offers within typically within that person's language. The other thing that can be looked up is vocational rehabilitation centers, Mm. and they often offer computer classes, resume classes, interviewing skills, those kinds of things, anything to help them get a job or to kind of just help them become more sort of tech savvy.
0: But those would have to be paid for.
2: Sometimes, sometimes not. It really just depends on the organization. Typically, you'll find mostly it'll be like donation based. So whatever the person can donate or and that can even include um, volunteer time.
0: Since they they've been doing this for quite a few years, Louise and her brother have come up with a system whereby because he's local, he kind of handles their mom's more immediate needs. He'll go places with her, you know, he'll do the mail translation, those kinds of things and then Louise handles things that can be handled over computer. And so they seem to have a good system. Do you suggest that when there's more than one adult child that they sort of split their responsibilities or the areas of responsibility if they intend to continue supporting their parents in in these ways? You have to develop
2: what your level of involvement is going to be early. So not only develop that, but determine what that's going to be and be able to communicate that. So if you're in a sibling group, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Brother, you can do this. Sister, you can do this. That kind of thing. So that way that there's a conversation that takes place and everybody agrees to it versus why do I always get stuck doing this? Because I live here. That's not fair. So if you're having a fair and open and honest communication and say, hey, would this be helpful since you live there geographically? It makes better sense if you check the mail and I handle sort of the email kind of things or calling the insurance company in terms of splitting the responsibilities. That's very helpful.
0: So are there any absolute do not ever do this? (laughs) in these types of situations? (laughs) I would say absolutely
2: do not go into the situation with your parents in terms of appointments or something and sort of surprise them with um, translation services. Because if the expectation is you've been doing this for your whole life, why would that change now? That would probably be very jarring to them and you're not going to get the result that you want. So these conversations need to take place preferably when everyone's calm, maybe over a good meal (laughs) and just saying like, hey, you know, while you're eating that, just want to kind of bring something up. So when everyone's kind of calm, cool and collected, and maybe the siblings have talked on the side and then they can present the information to mom and say, mom, we'd like you to be mom, dad, we want you to be more self-sufficient. We think this would be very beneficial for you. That kind of thing. Absolutely. Also do not make this a... This is the burden on me, kind of thing, because they also will not be responsive to that. The parents will be very defensive. And so you want to um, sort of stray away from any language that puts that parent on the defensive.
0: All right, let's recap what we learned from Sarita. Advocate for your parents. Ask organizations if they can provide translation services, especially when it comes to medical or government-related issues. Many offices are equipped to provide translation services for free. Plan ahead. Be involved from the instant a translation-related issue arises and start asking for help from providers, insurance companies, and outside organizations as soon as you can. Encourage your parents to be comfortable and open-minded about receiving that type of help from someone else. Be assertive in your communication, set boundaries with your parents and find ways to get them the help they need without becoming the only person taking on translation duties. Spend a little money if you can. There are online services that can translate documents professionally And that frees you from having to do the translation and ensures that your parents will have a professional, top-quality translation of their documents. Be patient. It's okay to be frustrated, but don't let it turn into anger or damage your relationship with your parents. They're probably frustrated too. And remember, share the work. If you have siblings, cousins, or other caring adults, Split translation duties. Approaching the situation as a team will make it more collaborative and keep anyone from burning out. Thank you so much for listening. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of Lantigua Williams Co. Micaela Rodriguez produced this episode, Kojin Tashiro mixed it, Cedric Wilson is our lead producer, Virginia Lora is our managing producer. We'd love to hear your stories. So email us at hello at talktomommypappy.com. Even if you don't want to be on the show, send us your story. It might inspire a different episode. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at talktomommypappy. Remember to please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and leave a review. We read those and take them into consideration as we're working on the show. Bye, everybody. Same place next week.